If you're new here or you're a regular attender, I just want to say welcome. Welcome home. Welcome to the family. And our hope and our desire is that here at Northridge Church, you feel that tangible difference, that this isn't just a, a place we get together. This is our family. This is our community. We do life together. We hang out together. And so welcome home to each and every one of you. Shout out to our campuses, those of you who are here with me at the Rochester campus. Shout out to our, our Webster campus. You know, I love summer because it gives me a chance to, to take a break from preaching and go hang out with our Webster campus. And it's amazing to see what God is doing at our missional outposts with the gospel at our Webster community. And so thank you to those of you at Webster for all that you do. To our online campus, thanks for logging in each and every week and hanging out with us at Northridge Church. Welcome home. And if you've been with us over the summer, we've been navigating through a book of the Bible, the book of Colossians, Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. And what's been awesome is we get to see how blessed we are as a church because we've got to hear from a bunch of different voices. We have an amazing pastoral staff on our church from, from, from the older generation to the younger generation, from different voices. And I, I pray that this series, as we've navigated this book, it's really challenged you. And we're going to continue today. So if you've got your Bibles, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 is where we're going to be this morning. Grab your phone or your physical Bible, turn there. And as you make your way there and as you jump into the Northridge Church app to take notes this morning, let me start off by just asking you a question. Have you ever experienced something in your life, a circumstance or a situation that, that it was so, power, so powerful, so impactful in your life that it changed you, right? A, a circumstance, it could be good or it could have been bad, but it changed the way you view life. Maybe it was a car accident, a car accident that you knew you should have never made, out, made it out of alive. But for some reason you did, and that, that, that situation, that circumstance changed the way you view life. Maybe it was a diagnosis, a hospital or a doctor's office, and the journey you had to navigate changed the way that your perspective on life, maybe it was your wedding day, or maybe it was the birth of a child, those moments, those magical moments in our life impact us and, and make us into, mold us into the man or woman that we become. You see, the reality is for all of our lives, there are moments, circumstance, situations that change our lives forever. And what's interesting, in Colossians chapter three, Paul's gonna talk about change. He's gonna talk about it theologically and practically. And the way he introduces change is by talking about the very thing in our lives that will change our lives like nothing else. Let's see what he says, Colossians chapter three. He says, since then, you've been raised with Christ. So here he's talking to believers, those of us who have been raised with Christ through our faith in Jesus Christ. And so here Paul starts theologically. He's like, you have to understand that, that our faith, our faith in God hangs on one moment, one circumstance. It's the resurrection of Jesus. If Jesus died on that cross and stayed dead, what we're doing here is meaningless. It's not that big of a deal. We're wasting our time. And what he's getting at here from a theological standpoint is when it comes to change, the origin or the beginning of our lives being changed comes from a resurrected Savior. The reason why through our faith spiritually that we can change is because Jesus is alive, that he conquered death and defeated the grave. In fact, he mentions this in chapter two. Look what he says. He says, Have been, having been buried with him in baptism, which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. 
And so your change in your life spiritually starts with being Jesus being alive and making you alive. But here's the problem that we run into with change. Jeremy mentioned this last week in chapter two, is when it comes to change, we have to understand theologically that you don't produce the change you want, your faith in the change maker does. See, here's the problem. Here's why a lot of our lives we want change, but we never really seem to achieve it, is because we've been told, we've been lied to that, hey, if you wanna change, just muster up the energy. Muster up the wisdom, the, the effort, the, 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 the might to do it, and we, we do that, and we constantly chase change that never seems to happen because we don't realize that change doesn't come from you, it comes from God. The reason why you can change is because of Jesus. In fact, look what Paul says in Corinthians. He talks about the first initial change in your life. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, The old is gone, the new is here. You see, if you've been raised with Christ, Paul says, here's what happens, is the old you is dead. It's gone. And and the new has come. You are a new creation in Jesus. You are reborn. That's why we celebrate baptisms. Because it's a picture of of this verse. It's that you are buried. Your, Your death spiritually is happening. You are buried with Christ. And now you are made new through his resurrection power in your life. And so then Paul starts theologically. We have to understand that we don't produce change. God does. And that the origin of our change stems from Jesus being alive. But then he gets practical. He says, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. And so Paul begins to talk about how change happens in our lives, and he says there's two locations in your life that have to align for change to begin. Paul says the the first place is your heart. The first place that change happens is in your heart, your desires, your aspirations, what you dream for. Now, when I, when I read this, I, I thought, okay, why does Paul start with the heart? Of all the things he could have picked, he says, start with your heart. Set your heart on heavenly things. Why? Well, one of the wisest men to ever live the face of the earth, his name was King Solomon. Look what he says about your heart, Proverbs chapter four. He says, above anything else, guard your heart. Why? Because everything you do flows from it. Seems like a good place to start then. If we truly want to change, maybe we should start with our hearts where everything we do comes from aligning with heavenly things. But Paul knew that, that, that it starts with your heart, but some other place has to be aligned with your heart. Paul says the second place is your mind. Because your heart and your mind often together produce your desires, produce what you long for. But why the mind? Well, look what Paul says in Romans. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. What he's saying is, as Christians, we shouldn't look like the world. We shouldn't act like the world. There should be a difference. We should be set apart. Well, how does that happen? Well, he says, you gotta be transformed. You gotta be transformed. You gotta change. Well, how do I change? He says, by the renewing of your mind. See, change begins with your heart and your mind aligning. In fact, I love what one scholar says. He says, the believer, that's us, is to seek the things above. The word seek, 
marks aspiration, desire, and passion. In order to seek these things, the mind must be set on them. So let me just ask you a question. What is your heart and your mind set on? What are your passions and your desires? What are they set on? Are you longing for things that are earthly, temporary, or are you set your heart and your mind on things above? Paul continues, he says, for you died. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I love his first three words. He says, for you died. He's not talking about physical death here. Paul is talking about spiritual death. He's saying when you place your faith in Jesus, when you say yes to him to forgive you and be the leader of your life, you spiritually die. The old has gone. And then he says, your life is now Christ. In fact, Paul says this about his own life. Look what he says in Philippians chapter one. He says, for me, Paul is speaking for himself. He says, for me to live My life is Christ, and to die is gain. And we see that all over the pages of Paul's story, right? Everything he did, every choice that he made, his heart and his mind were set on eternal things, and it changed the way he lived. His aspirations, his dreams were set on things above, and when he got to the end of his life, he was like, I'm gonna die. Great news, because to die is gain because I get to reap the reward that Christ has for me. And when it comes to change, here's what Paul is saying for all of us as Christ followers. When Christ is our life, our lives will change. When your life is centered around Jesus over the course of your life, you will slowly be sanctified. That means you will slowly change, be looking more like Jesus. But that introduces a problem for us, a tension for us, a tension for me. Because I would bet that all the people in this room, we all have areas of our life that we would like to see change. Areas of our life that we've tried to change. And it doesn't seem like it is changing. Right? Many of us, we, we chase after change, and, and change is kind of that, that word, right? Because we want change, but it, it just constantly seems to escape us. We, we gave it all we had, and, and we don't change. And it leads us to this question, like, how can I or how do I change? Well, Paul talks about it theologically, right? You don't actually produce the change, even though you want it. It starts with a a resurrected savior, but practically, how how do I walk out of here? If I want something changed in my life, how do I know what to do? Well, Paul, in, in Colossians 3, gives us two steps. Two really simple, but really difficult steps. Look what he says. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You you used to walk in these ways in in the life that you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. I, I love Paul's first three words here. He says, put to death. Now, now to think about the English language here. 
even though he didn't write it in the English language, but think about these words. Could you say it any stronger? I mean, honestly, like he says, hey, you know what you need to do? You need to put to death your sin. And here's the problem, right? The, the first step with, 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 with change starts when we learn to stop suppressing sin and we kill it. We murder it. We evaporate it. Right, that's what Paul's saying. In fact, if you study the original language, the, the verb here that Paul is talking about putting to death is the word necrosate. And it literally means to make dead. To make dead. Paul is suggesting that we are not simply supposed to control our evil acts or attitudes. He says we're supposed to wipe them out. Completely exterminate our old way of living. But that's hard for us. Because if we're honest, if I'm honest, there are sin that we all still struggle with. Sin that we wish would change, but still hangs on. And you wanna know why we suppress our sin instead of kill it, this might hurt your feelings, is because honestly, we like our sin. We, we get it far enough away, but we leave it on the bookshelf just in case we wanna run back to it. And Paul says, you wanna know why you won't change? Because you won't put that to death. You won't kill it. In fact, it, it makes me think of one of my favorite tools in my barn. This is my weed evaporator right here, baby. Got it from my barn. And, and here's the thing about this. This is designed to kill weeds, right? You, you take this lid off and you put some really nasty chemicals in it. Chemicals that will probably take the skin off your leg if you allow it to, okay? But the good news is all I have in here this morning is water, okay? So we're all, we're all safe, we're all good. But here's what happens at my house, okay? At my house, if you've ever been to my house, uh, below our house is a barn, and there's a stone driveway to the barn, and every spring, right around April and May, these little weeds start to sprout. And I walk over, and honestly, I'm too lazy to do anything about it, and I think it's not that big of a deal, they're just little weeds. It's kind of like our sin, right? That's what we say about our sin, it's not a big deal, right? Just little, not that, you know, they're gonna hurt anybody. But now you fast forward to August, and I can't see my stone driveway anymore because the weeds have taken over. They're everywhere. My wife yells at me almost every day about it. So here's what I have to do. I have to take this thing right here, baby, and I put it around my shoulders, and I get it on my shoulders, and I get my, where are you? Come here. I get this thing out. All right, and so I walk down to my stone driveway, Oh, you hear that sound? That's the sound of weeds dying. And here's what I do, I walk around and I just, I just wipe weeds out. Any, any weeds? Ooh, that scare you, okay? I just, killing weeds over here, don't mind me. And this thing, and here's the great news. The stuff I put in this machine is designed to kill the weeds, not just at the surface, but at its root. The weeds that I spray with this are not coming back, they're dead. Sure, I have to worry about new sprouts, but the weeds that get sprayed are done for. And do you realize that this is the imagery that Paul gives us on how we should handle our sin? 
He says, you have to learn, if you truly want to change, you have to put your sin to death. You have to kill it, murder it. And some of us today, we're still suppressing it. And you'll never change unless you kill your sin. Secondly, he moves on. He says, and put on the new self which is being renewed in, in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Paul says, hey, after you kill your sin, after you wipe it off, you get to wear new clothes. Christ purchased them for you through his death and resurrection. And I don't know if anybody's like me. When you get something new, right, when I go shopping with my wife and I get a, a new shirt or new shoes or a new tool, anytime I get something new, I want to use it. Like, I want to wear it. One of the jokes my wife and I, we have a lot of times is when we go shopping, I get a new shirt. Like, when I walk out the store, I'm like, babe, can I put this on? Is that weird? Don't judge me. I see all those looks. Like, some of you do the same thing. I'm like, I'm ready to put on new clothes. And Jesus says the same thing. He says the second step, once you kill your sin, he says to his followers, he says, wear that righteousness. Wear the righteousness that Jesus purchased for you. In fact, look what he says in chapter three. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, that's us, we are God's chosen people. We are sons and daughters, holy and dearly loved. Look at the words here, he says. He says, clothe yourself. Clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility. Clothe yourself in gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has any grievance against someone, forgive them as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Paul looks at us as Christians and he says, stop wearing your old clothes. Those are supposed to be dead, thrown away in the fire. He says, wear your righteousness that Jesus purchased with his death and resurrection. So why don't we? Why don't we wear humility? Why don't we wear patience and forgiveness and kindness? Well, I know why. Because every morning I go to work or every morning I get ready to preach or whatever I'm doing, I come to my wardrobe and we, we look through our wardrobe and here's what I do. I'm like, eh, that don't look very good on me. Um, and I have some favorite shirts, but here's what we do with, with the clothes Christ gave us. It's right, we, we pull one off the, the closet and we're like, patience? Are you serious, guy? Like, you... You don't, you, you, don't know, you don't know me. I'm the farthest thing from patient. Like, how am I supposed to wear this, God? But here's what Paul tells us. He says, because Jesus died for you, he says, you can wear this. This is who you are now. This is who I made you to be. He says, you know what you should do? Clothe yourself. Clothe yourself. Put it on. And so we wear patience. We put it on, then we come back to, to the closet and we look through and we're like, I don't know, and we come to humility. You know, God, I, I'm just good at being proud, self-centered. Like, I, I, I don't have anybody time to think about it. How do you want me to wear this? This is not who I am, God. And he's, Paul says, no, no, you don't understand. Let me remind you of the gospel. Jesus died and rose again and he is raising you with him. And he says, you know what? You can wear this. Put it on. 
Wear that righteousness. Clothe yourself. So we put it on. And we, we, we go and we get older and we get a little stagnant and we come to our wardrobe and we, we run to maybe one of the hardest ones. Forgiveness. God, listen, you don't know what they did to me. God, you, you don't know how bad it hurt me. You don't know, God, the years of counseling that I've had to navigate just to get to where I can even see them. How am I supposed to wear this? And again, Paul reminds us of the gospel. God reminds us that, you know what? I bore your pain on that cross. I died for the hurt you put on me. And because of my cross and my resurrection, you can wear this. You can forgive. You can be like me. Clothe yourself with forgiveness because this is who you are. Put it on. You see, change is hard. We all have places in our life that we want to change, but they never seem to. And Paul, right here, he talks about, hey, first and foremost, don't try it on your own to change because God produces it. The origin of your change comes from the grave being rolled back and Jesus walking out alive. And so as you think about that area of your life that needs changed, I want to ask you two questions today. Two questions that I want to sit in your heart as you walk out of this building and you wake up Monday and Tuesday. The first one is what do you need to put on? As you look at the, the closet that Jesus gave you, the clothes that he wants you to wear, what is still sitting in the closet collecting dust? Is it kindness? Compassion? Love? Is it forgiveness? Humility? What are you not wearing that Jesus died so that you could wear and look like him? What clothes do you need to put on? But maybe a better starting place as you look at your life is what do you need to kill? What sin have you allowed to hang around? What sin do you struggle with that you wish would go away? but you're just suppressing it, holding it back. Paul says, today, when you leave, you need to put it to death. You need to kill it. Because the great news of the gospel, the reason why we exist as a church is because we were dead in our sins. You and I were dead in our sins, but because of God's great love for us, he sent his one and only son to die on a cross, a brutal death, but to defeat death through his resurrection. And because of that, he pulls us out of our own death. He pulls us out of our own darkness and he brings us into the light so we can wear his clothes, so we can look like our Savior. So today as you leave, what's the old of you that needs to die 
And what clothes do you need to put on to look more like Jesus? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this family. God, together as we navigate change, it's so hard, it's so difficult. But God, we ask for your grace when we fail. We ask for your mercy to be poured over us when we don't get it right. But God, give us the strength. Produce in us the change that we desperately long for. In Jesus' name, amen.